welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast, presented by Exo Mountain Gear. This podcast and the gear that we produce at Exo Mountain Gear share the same purpose, to make you a more capable, confident, and successful backcountry hunter. This show is all about providing you with valuable information from experienced hunters. To learn more about the podcast or about our backcountry hunting packs, visit exomountaingear.com. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. This is episode 179. If you're a returning listener, thanks for the continued support. If you're new, welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast. In this episode, we are talking about boots, a critical piece of gear. We've said it many, many times. Boots are one of the most important things for the hunter, specifically for the backcountry hunter. But the difficulty is that it's hard to find the right boot. It's hard to take someone else's recommendation. It's hard to go off of reviews or reputation. Like you really have to try and figure out what works for you and for your foot and for your needs. And so it's always a difficult conversation. But in this show, we talk with um, the designer of a boot. The Technica Forge is the boot we're talking about today. But it's not just about that boot. We really wanted to talk specifically with a footwear designer to go deep, to help us understand everything that goes into a boot, to deconstruct the anatomy of a boot, to understand how they're made and the differences and how to really be a knowledgeable consumer all about boots. So the context is talking about this Technica Forge, which is a fantastic boot that we've been testing, but this applies to to boots in general. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Um, Our guest is Federico. He works with Technica. He's actually based in Italy. Um, And so I think you'll find this conversation very helpful uh, for you. So if you guys are interested, Technica um, not partnered with the show by any means. They did get us some boots to review, which we've been doing for months, and they're fantastic. You can go check them out, uh, technicasports.com. I'd say go to their website, obviously, to see the product, but if you're interested, to look at their dealer locator. Because as you'll hear in this episode, Technica boots are custom molded to your foot. And so you actually go to the dealer they have this device, and the actual boot is molded to your foot, which is pretty wild. you hear more about it. I've done the process. Pretty stinking interesting. If you guys have questions on it, shoot us an email. We'll be happy to help share our experiences with the boot so far, and obviously you'll hear more about them in this show. Before we dive into it, just wanted to thank Jason Blotch for the iTunes review. Jason, thank you so much. Send us your shipping information to podcast at exomountaingear.com. We want to get you some Exo Mountain Gear and Hunt Backcountry podcast swag for that review. And listeners, you can enter into these giveaways. All you got to do is give us your feedback. So if it's a review on iTunes, that helps tremendously. If it's in Stitcher, wherever else you're listening to this, that'd be great. You can also contact us directly by email with comments, questions, suggestions, etc. to podcast at exomountaingear.com. Another final note, here in this month of June 2019, we're giving away some gear from First Light. So they have a new down jacket, actually technically a down sweater. It's called the Brooks Ultralight Sweater. Fantastic piece. I used it on the death hike. It's definitely going to be a staple in my pack, especially for earlier seasons when conditions vary and you have you know those warmer general conditions, but then those cold nights or cold glassing sessions. This thing is crazy stinking light, uh, really packable. It's one of those pieces that I don't think is going to leave my pack simply because from a space and weight perspective, it makes no difference. So I'm pretty excited about it. 
you guys can go check that out as well as the rest of the new 2019 gear from First Flight at firstflight.com. Specifically, if you want to enter the giveaway, it's super simple. Go to exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast. You'll see the giveaway link there. Put in your email. We won't send you a bunch of junk, nothing like that. Just go to exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast, enter to win the Brooks. All right, enough rambling. Let's get into this episode of Dissecting Boots with Federico from Technica Sports. Federico, um, thank you for the time and welcome to the Hunted Back Country podcast. Thank you, guys. Nice to be here for you. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it for sure. So if you could go ahead and just uh, introduce yourselves to the listeners and tell us a bit about uh, your background and your current position with Technica. Yes, sir. So my name is Federico Brissa. I manage the footwear business unit. So basically the whole global program from footwear for Technica since the last uh, three years. Uh, previously, I mean, I've been working in the outdoor industry for you know quite a bit, uh, nearly 17 years, I think. Uh, in you know several different positions, several different companies. Some you might know, like Garmin, like Tina Fitzaleva, Arcteryx, uh, and most recently uh, in Technica. So I've always been managing, let's say, ski touring boots in particular in the Garmin times and Dina Fit times. And I moved more toward outdoor footwear, technical mountain footwear at the Arcteryx time, and then and then here at Technica. So uh, my background is product marketing, product management. And business management that's where i do so basically i've been in charge of the of the of all the technical future programs in the last three years with a small team of people which are taking care of the development and the design and etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah that's great so technica you are based in italy um you've had a growing presence in the u.s but i'm sure as a technica being a new name to some of the listeners can you tell us a little bit about the origins of technica and then the transition into the outdoor footwear? Sure. So, I mean, Technica is one of the oldest uh, <laughs> footwear company in the you know Italian footwear district of Montebelluna, which is uh, you know what we were used to say, basically where the outdoor footwear <laughs> basically are born uh, and have been mostly produced, uh, and let's say the vast majority of mountain boots have been produced here since the last 20 years. Uh, obviously, yeah, since the 90s, uh, the production started to move toward this in Europe or Asia. But a lot of the you know famous brands you know from Italian companies has been are based here and have been developed here and produced here. And some of the big international brands also have offices here for design and development in general. So it's a little bit the area of of the footwear. And Technica is one of the oldest of the brands. I mean, uh, I need to double check the dates, but I mean Technica has been founded uh, with the actual setup more than 50 years ago so it's one of the oldest of the companies and coming from a background of shoemakers since you know generations so uh, the company has been manufacturing mostly footwear um, until you know there's been a, definitely a strong focus toward ski boots uh, so the technical group now is a is a is a, is a you know, it's a group of brands, uh, which some are pretty popular, such as Technica, especially in the winter uh, sport business, which is really strong in the US. Uh, we own Nordica, which is one of the oldest, you know, again, Alpine ski boot brands. Uh, we own Blizzard, which is uh, Alpine ski brands. We do own uh, Rollerblade, which you probably know, the inline skate brands. Uh, we own Moon Boots, which are those, uh, you know, uh, winter upright ski famous boots. And then 
and then uh, and then also we own the vast majority of Lova, which is the you know very famous German outdoor footwear and trekking boots manufacturer. So uh, Technica itself as a brand went through a long story, uh, but definitely a lot of variation in its position and its core business. Uh, we can clearly and easily say that the last 15 years, even probably 20, the key focus has been the Alpine ski boot business, uh, which probably some of your listeners know because Technica is very popular in the US, uh, in particular with, uh, with our ski boot line. So it's number two brand right now in the market, so really, really popular. While our outdoor footwear line has been not really strong over the last uh, decade, in particular in the US, where at least since you know ten years exactly, uh, we are not really importing or distributing footwear anymore. So, let's say our our colleagues in the states has been really focusing on growing the positioning on the alpine ski business and waiting for the right products to launch in the market, uh, and that actually happened, you know one year ago, 12 months ago, when we first delivered the first forge pairs in the, in the country, you know, obviously a little bit earlier with the planning about it. Uh, so they were really waiting for having the right product for the market and for the consumers. Uh, uh, and that basically happened with the forge, which is uh, the product that we are talking about today. So as you said at the beginning, you know, Technica in the outdoor business in the US is really, really new. So we started from zero. Uh, and really from zero, uh, two years ago when we started to preline the products to the first, uh, you know, key uh, key retailers in the outdoor industry uh, with a strong success. And then we, we sold the first pair of boots uh, exactly one year ago because we, we sold the first pair of forge, I think, uh, early mid-March of last year. So it's exactly 12, 13 months that we are in the market right now. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. We're excited to talk uh, more about those forge boots here in a bit. I'm curious... Uh, not not having context, not being from the area, clearly. What is it um, that makes Italy and then that specific region in Italy such a hub for footwear and has that rich history there? That's a very long history, though. I'll try to make it very short. <laughs> <laughs> so, because we, we, we go back many hundred years ago and, and to understand a little bit the, the, the geography of the area. It's, it's a little bit of an interesting geography. So this area, which is there is a hill here called the Montello. Uh, it's a hill which is very close to Venice, 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 you know, the famous Venice. Um, so what happened that this area was a farming area in particular, was a forest which was used to, you know, cut woods to build boats and uh, and to build Venice itself. So it has been basically the you know forest, uh, the closest uh, wood areas uh, for, for Venice. So they had there was a lot of farmers working in this area, especially cutting woods and working in the land. And there is a ground here which is very muddy, uh, and this hill is quite steep. So let's say, you know, we're talking back hundreds of years ago, there has been a lot of little artisans trying to build some sort of shoes, uh, which were, you know, not really shoes at the time, but to work on this Mediterranean. Um, and that's the first beginning. The second step is that this is basically the border between the mountains and the, and, and the sea. So the mountains and the flat in Italy. Uh, so basically all the people from the mountains were coming down here, exactly Montebelluna, to trade you know, mountain products like dairy products, milk, cheese, et cetera, et cetera, uh, with, you know, meat, fish, whatever was coming from, from here. And one of the products they really loved to buy was this sort of shoes that these local people built to work in the land because they were pretty good also for the mountain areas. And that's really kind of the origin of the outdoor footwear. Uh, <laughs> and then suddenly, you know, there has always been some sort of artisan footwear manufacturers. Uh, and then 
you know, when we had the first world war, which as you probably know, was really built, it was fought here in the Dolomites in the, the borders between Austria and Italy. It was a pretty savage terrain of fighting. Most of these little manufacturers started to make boots for the army. Uh, that repeated again for the Second World War, uh, and after, at the end of the war, there has been two consequences. The first one that these factories didn't have job enough to produce uh, military boots anymore, and so and then there has been the boom of tourism because uh, basically in the 50s, uh, 60s, that has been the beginning of tourism in the in the Alps. Uh, Fundamentally, especially the British people started to climb mountains and explore the Dolomites. So that has been the beginning of tourism. And so this manufacturer basically started to produce what they were able to do. And just instead of calling them military boots, they started to call them <laughs> outdoor <laughs> trekking boots and activity like that. And that's basically how the industry all developed around this area. So for, for, for decades and decades. Until again, you know, the outdoor sports uh, developed, and then also the ski industry. Uh, basically, you know, as soon as people started to ski, the same factories which were manufacturing these leather boots for hiking and trekking, they started to make leather ski boots, uh, and so and so on and so on. And again, then you know, the sports evolved, the materials evolved, the plastic arrived, and so this industry has always been the really the key hub for the manufacturing of trekking, backpacking, mountaineering boots, and and, and alpine ski boots. Uh, until uh, until the 90s when the manufacturing started to become too expensive and then people started to move out the factories in other countries but we still oh. keep uh, a lot of R&D facilities and, and brand uh, offices of course here in the area so that's yeah. I mean it's very short but that's a little bit the history of the of the industry yeah that's fascinating yeah that it goes back that long that's so cool so I'm curious, what's, uh, with the Technica, with the Forge, you mentioned that, um, you know, kind of for U.S. and the outdoor footwear market, you're waiting for the right product um, to launch and to bring that more to the U.S., and that was with the Forge. So yes. from a very high level with the Forge, when Technica began to develop that, what, like, what were they trying to build? So when we talk about a boot or a hiking boot, a backpacking boot, et cetera, there's so many different types, different variables, oh, yes. um, different ways to choose um, fit and materials and benefits such as lightweight versus something, you know, more heavier, more stiff, more durable, et cetera. So like from a very high level, what is the forge designed for? And very, very simple because the forge is quite unique on its own. So it has been very simple um, because, again, as you understand, we wanted to relaunch a, a brand or more, let's say, a category of a brand into into a global market, not only in the U.S. And so we needed to do it with something very, very unique because, uh, again, it's a very packed industry with a lot of great products out there from many, many brands. So it's extremely complicated to, to be successful with something new. And so with Forge, we really wanted to introduce something targeting the key point for a consumer to buy or not to buy uh, a pair of tracking boots, uh, which is clearly the fit. Uh, and with Forge, uh, we basically developed the first uh, customizable boot. I mean, there is a product, which is a boot, and then there is a machine, which our specialized retail pattern has in store. And thanks to a very simple 15 minutes operation, you can go through a full customization of the fit of the boots, uh, which includes the footbed, uh, because the boot comes also with a fully moldable, uh, customizable footbed inside, and then of the outer itself. Thank again to a heating and compressing operation, we can basically reshape the boot uh, to make it fit perfectly for every consumer. So that was the key really point. You know, beside all the materials, we can speak for hours, obviously. But if you ask me one thing is basically to make the most 
And I cannot use the temps most comfortable, but to make really a custom fitting boot with natural support and natural foothold, removing in particular uh, what is sometimes very critical when you're buying a pair of boots that way, which is leather, supportive, etc., which is the breaking period. You probably are very familiar with the category. So if you're buying even the best pair of trekking backpacking boots, uh, you might you know want to break them in for a few a few days before you go for a big big hike. Uh, with Forge, this is also reduced to zero because in the customization, in the molding process, uh, you basically bring this breaking times to zero thanks to the molding through your foot. So I would say that's the really key point um, for the consumer. Uh, for the retailers, also we wanted to offer our you know specialized outdoor retailer a unique solution to offer their customer special services, which is the ability to mold and customize products to the, to the feet of their customers. We're we're definitely going to talk more specifically about how that um, fitting process um, changes the user experience, and I want to get more into the anatomy of a boot. And along the way, we'll obviously talk about you know things such as the footbed and how it's customized. But um, having been through the fitting process, walk us through basically what that process looks like. Like what happens when you come to the store, and how is that yes. fitting achieved? It's very simple. Again, first of all, you obviously need to be a person who is looking to buy that type of boot because the forge is obviously fitting in that tracking backpacking category. So it's a supportive, stable, high cut boot. You know, so it's not a running shoe or, or something like that. It's a, it's, a, it's a proper tracking. So that's the category. Uh, as soon as you are in there, and, and we know that the vast majority of consumers, they are really focused on the fit on that particular category of products. Uh, the process is very simple. They go through the support of a staff uh, employee from the store, uh, which is basically finding the right size for you. And that's basically the same as you would do for any other boots, you know, using a measurement tool or by knowing your size already, you fit in the boots, feel the volume, the length, and in particular, the focus of the length. So the boot must be the right length, the right size. And then we go through the molding process, which is basically happening in two different steps. The first step is the heating and molding of the footbed, which the you know staff will basically take out of the boots and place into some sort of a heating blanket, which is you know like a like a, a sandwich you basically put inside your footbeds and then there is you know switch on the machine and that's gonna in eight minutes bring them up to a, a softening temperature, which is basically soften up and transform a, a rigid footbed with a high support into a very soft one. Uh, the consumer then is gonna be sitting on a bench and basically, uh, the, the 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 staff will put the warmed up footbed inside some sort of a special sock. We can call it like that, which the consumer is going to wear. The sock is designed to basically keep the footbed under your under the consumer's feet without the chance to move it or damage it. And then the consumer will basically insert his legs and feet inside some special kind of bags. <laughs> it's a bit complex, you know, without showing it, but it's some sort of bags which then get inflated. Uh, to about 150 millibar pressure. Uh, this pressure is basically going to stretch your foot and it's going to mold the footbed around your arch and heel and forefoot. Uh, during this pressure time, which lasts about three minutes, uh, the molded footbed uh, cools down and keeps obviously the shape of, and the anatomy of your foot. And that's going to last three minutes. So eight minutes heating, three minutes cooling down. Uh, in the meantime, the staff of the store will also warm up the boots. So there is another heating element, which is basically warming up 
uh, all the boot in the you know key critical area of the feet, which is ankle, heel, and the arch. So also inside the boot, there's a special thermal moldable insert, which is going to get soft and heated up. Uh, as soon as the footbeds are molded in the previous step I described, the you know staff, the employee of the store will put the footbeds previously molded inside the boots. The consumer is going to wear the boots, lace them tight, and then again, put the feet inside these bags. And again, the, the staff of the store will inflate them again uh, to the same pressure to mold the whole boot around your foot. Three minutes, and then the operation is finished, and the boot is molded and ready to use. So basically, we're changing the feet of the boot from a standard generic last to the consumer foot. That's basically the, the operation. It totally lasts uh, 20 or 15 minutes, depending on which of the two machine versions the store has as, as in. Gotcha. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's a, a combination of then heat and pressure that's helping this process. I was, uh, when I went through the process myself, the pressure didn't, didn't feel um, very high, meaning that it wasn't, there was no like mm-hmm. discomfort, like pressure on my feet, pressure on my legs. At the same time, they do strap you in um, when things are inflated, when that pressure is there. And the the person that was helping me was like talking about the pressure. And he goes, it might not feel like a lot, but watch this. And he undid the strap that was holding me in position, basically, during the molding. So when the molding was Mm -hmm. finished, things were cooled. He undid the strap before he deflated it just to show me how much pressure there actually was. And when he undid that strap, it was almost like like a bomb went off. All this pressure released. It was really impressive. Yeah, it's it, it. You know, that also depends a little bit. We tune the pressure. Uh, that has been, you know, a pretty complex, let's say, process um, because the pressure which is tuned there is is virtually simulating like you are standing and compressing your arch. So basically, it's right tuned. Uh, in fact, if you take out your footbeds and you try while sitting, you try to put it under your foot arch, you'll see that it's not going to match. But when you step, stand up and step into it, you're going to see that it's perfectly matching because this pressure, and you notice that it's inside also a pillow, uh, the mix of the pillow plus the pressure, stretch your foot flat, and not flat, but like you could be standing, and then and then compress the whole thing. So it's, and again, if you put, I don't know your size, but it, it is also viable. There's been some girls which, you know, or, or women's, which has been a little bit sometimes complaining about the pressure, which is a little bit too high. So I think it's it's really subjective here. But let's say the, the, the objective here of all the testing phase, which has been lasting quite a long, was to obtain the perfect level of molding uh, without generating too much of discomfort for the consumer. So we found the right balance, uh, which is the combination of the heating pressure, heating temperature, uh, inflation pressure, and obviously also the materials which we put inside the products to make sure that they get heat activated and then cool down in the in the right amount of time interesting let's um to talk more about the forge specifically but really just to help us understand boots in general let's let's take some time and kind of go through the big let's call it like features or elements Mm -hmm. of boot anatomy um starting with an outsole so this is a term i'm sure that we've all heard but just to make sure we understand it clearly what is the outsole first of all the in the you know British let's say original definition of what is is the rubber part. So the outsole is only the rubber, uh, which is basically the final part of the bottom unit, uh, which is delivering the grip and the traction and the support to 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 your right. So yeah, that's the rubber yeah. part of the boot. Okay. So we're going yeah we're going ground up here. So the outsole is your sole, the the interface to the ground. Walk us through 
understanding different materials there because you know some outsoles can be soft um, and they're very sticky but might not have the best durability versus other materials that can be you know more firm um, and more durable for a trekking hiking backpacking boot and the forge specifically like what went into picking a good outsole material yes so that again the the whole I'll use a different term, which is bottom unit, <laughs> uh-huh. because the outsole is a component of you know this package, the midsole, uh, shank, and then and then the outsole. Uh, I'll use that because it's a, it's a set which works pretty well together. Um, again, also quite difficult to explain without showing, but uh, the design in particular of the outsole. So we probably, if you have the boots, you noted that the lugs are a little bit unusual. They have some sort of a, a big empty shape in the center, which is kind of a looking like a suction cap. Uh, with a little hole in the center, which shows up a strange color underneath. Okay, so the design of the outsole there was com- combined with the midsole, which is side has two different layers of of EVA, uh, of which one the bottom layer, which is the one basically which is attached to the outsole, is the softest of the three, uh, and that combined with those big lug shapes uh, is what we you know call the, the adaptive sole design. Uh, because uh, basically allows the lugs to 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 allows allows the lugs to 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 adapt to the terrain uh, to get to the best level of of of, of grip and traction on an even terrain. Uh, that's the way the bottom unit works. Uh, the outsole itself uh, is basically what we believe today being the best state of the art in terms of grip and durability. Uh, so it's a this outsole which which we designed, but in cooperation with Vibram, you know, the Italian sole manufacturer. And features the compound which they called Mega Grip, uh, which is you know from our, but you know also from most of the footwear manufacturers today, uh, really an amazing compound which delivers a fantastic level of grip and traction, but also very reasonable amount of durability, uh, and, and it's really impressive that the level of grip that delivers. So the combination between this adaptive design with the softer layer of the midsole, the adaptability, the ability of the lugs to adapt to the different uneven terrains. Plastic compound uh, is really a pretty impressive outsole. So I would say it performs pretty well on hard, both dry and wet surfaces, such as rocks, uh, due to the fact that this rubber outsole has a, a lot of surface touched in the ground, uh, which delivers this level of grip and support. But also thanks to this adaptive design that I told you, it performs really well on uneven terrain, such as loose rocks and muds and, and trails in general. So. That's a little bit how we designed it. I hope mm. I haven't been too too long and complicated in my explanation. Sorry no. for that. No, we love the <laughs> details for sure. One thing I noticed was the the outsole at the heel was uh, definitely softer than I'm used to in a boot. What, what's the, your design yeah. reason for that? Yeah, well, that also goes back to the whole concept of the boots, which um, when we designed the forge, I, I spoke a lot about before the feet, but, but, but in general, we wanted to design in what I personally defined a modern <laughs> tracking backpacking boot, which was, you know, trying to be the most versatile possible by keeping uh, the basic points of the category. The basic point of the categories is obviously the support, uh, which is important, especially midfoot and arch when you are carrying, um, you know, an important heavy backpack over a certain um, difficult terrain. So you want to have that support and you want to have waterproofness and protection from the element. These are the two really key points for, you know, having 
define being able to define that as a as a backpacking boot. But on the other side, I also we also wanted to design the boot to be the most flexible and comfortable as possible, so that it becomes more versatile. Uh, what I mean with versatility means that you know if I'm buying a, a backpacking boot and, and, and even if I'm very active in the mountains, I might use it 20 days a year, 25, 30. But with the forge, because of its flexibility, softness, uh, etc., feet, etc., and also the design, which is quite clean and modern, you might want to wear it more, in particularly over fall or in summer or during those seasons. So that's kind of the idea. And the softness of the heel of the midsole, which you noticed, is actually one of the key elements because we wanted to have a cushioning a little bit higher than most of the heavy backpacking boots uh, to make sure that you get a lot of comfort and, and pleasure in walking. Uh, because the support of the foot, uh, we really de developed and delivered through the footbed, the arch support, and all these thermomoldable inserts, which are located in the arch of the foot, uh, which are actually rigid inserts, obviously, uh, which deliver a great level of support, despite of the flexibility and the softness of the, of the bottom. Softness, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, compared to different to boot of the same category. Yeah, definitely a really nice, cushiony feel when you're walking on... on hard ground, pavement, stuff like that. It's, you instantly feel it the second you put the boot on and walk. Yeah, as I told you, it was really the idea to try to make a more versatile, more pleasurable yeah. to walk, but still keeping the you know great level of support and protection, which are mandatory for product in this category. So that was the design mm -hmm. goal of, of the product. Touching on the outsole um, again, or this whole glory unit, but specifically, I think this goes back to traction and some design there. Um, how does design, whether that's materials or um, the actual structure and shape of an outsole, affect traction downhill as well? So there's this idea that you see some boot manufacturers kind of talk about like downhill braking, essentially. Yeah. Um, how does that play a role in the outsole? It's very, very important. It's, it's always the mix, you know, when we design anything, but in particular an outsole on a tracking boot, compound and designs are two things which goes really close together and and that's why also the design of the outsole is extremely complex because it's fundamental for its performance uh, the downhill again um, on the forge let, let me take one boots because i need some visual support on the on the forge in particular the heel which is I would say it depends a little bit how you walk or run or whatever, but clearly on, on a trekking boot, which is very different than a running shoe, uh, when you're going downhill, the thing that you use the most is the heel. Mm -hmm. uh, if it would be a running shoe and you might be somebody very fast, you might use also the forefoot or other areas of the shoe. But on a you know solid trekking boots, the eye, the heel is the part that you break and, and basically makes you stable and, 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 and stable and safe on the downhill. So, Forge, like most of the boots in this category, uh, features are quite of a edgy uh, heel break. That's how it's called, as you said, uh, which is this you know straight heel uh, lug shape, very deep, uh, which really helps to break the boots, even if you are in soft, muddy, or loose rock terrain. So the Forge outsole also have a very solid, uh, sturdy um, lug shapes on the heel, which also make it very stable. So and again, even if as you said before, the midsole might be a little bit softer than you're used to. Still, the stability on the heel is super high thanks to this very solid blocked-like design on the heel and this very high uh, hedge that we have on the brake on the braking areas of the heel. 
that's the sole, and we've mentioned the midsole in there. You've talked about how the lower layer of the midsole plays a role. Mm-hmm. Take us yes. a little bit. Let's like let's continue to go up the boot, if you will, and get more into those midsole, actual midsole layers. You mentioned EVA, which is an, another term that some listeners might be familiar with. But talk us talk to us about those midsole layers, um, the purpose of different densities and different materials, and how they play a role in the boot. Perfect. So the forefoot I already mentioned about this uh, softer layer, which is the one that you see through the holes of the outsole, uh, which is plays this role of ability of adapting. So these lugs kind of conform to the softer uh, layer of the three. In between, there is a very solid one, actually. It's what we call a rock plate, if you want, in, 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 in a more commercial and more marketing language. So there is a very solid uh, layer, very thin, but very solid, which is designed to protect, especially the forefoot. Uh, if you're putting your foot on an edgy, um, you know, edgy rock, uh, to protect your foot from the pressure that this might deliver. So there is this, this layer in between. And then there is the base layer, which is also the same that you see on the heel and which is next to the foot which is in this case some sort of a medium density uh, without going too much in the details of the hardness etc uh, which is the layer which delivers the comfort and the support on the heel of the boot so it's unusually a little bit but again depends on the brand because every brand is different compounds and materials uh, but it is uh, not super common to use eva as a material there are basically two families of materials here to make it so eva and polyurethane, and then some new modern polyurethane, which are now trending in the running world. Um, the advantage of EVA, again, both materials has advantages and disadvantages. So it really depends what you want to do with your products. Uh, in this particular boot, the Forge, we decided to go with EVA uh, because of the lightness. So it's way lighter than, than polyurethane at the same uh, hardness uh, uh, level. Um, the other thing is the cushioning properties. So let's say EVA has a more reboundy, more comfortable feeling under the foot um, and the flexibility. So these are the points which uh, deliver EVA a more, you know, adapt, adapted um, scope for this product. On the other side, polyurethane is heavier, yes, but it's more durable and has a longer durability, let's say, unless you are living in a very wet environment, then it becomes not very durable due to a chemical process called hydrolysis. But in general, let's say this is the reason why we chose to go EVA and why we have the three different layers to be able to have protection, adaptivity of the outsole, and the perfect level of weight and comfort on the boot. Okay. Mm. So that that um, that mid-layer you mentioned, kind of like the, the rock plate, if you will, is that the same is also talk of a shank, um, which also provides some stiffness and protection, or is this rock plate layer different than what might be different. referred to as a shank? Okay, so yes, what is the shank different. then? And by the way, we have a shank on the boot. I just, I just forgot about it, but yes, uh, there is an additional TPU shank on the on the arch of the forge, uh, which is an additional layer, actually, which is sticked inside the midsole, and that's TPU, so it's plastic, and it's fairly rigid, and that's only in the arch area, so in the mid Mid, middle in the middle in the center of the boot and that's designed to give you know more a structural support toward the back of the foot because you want to have a soft flexible forefoot but you want to have a stable heel and arch as i told you before so there's an additional tpu shank in there so what when when in the foot language we use the term shank whatever it is a tracking boot or a running shoe it's normally something hard which can be out of thermoplastic carbon fiber fiberglass whatever you want to put inside which is delivered to give uh, to differentiate the flex pattern of a shoe 
Uh, and most of the cases, these uh, shanks are located in the arch or arch to heel, depending on the product, or even can be a full shank if it's a climbing mountain ring boot, which needs to be fully rigid. Uh, but in case of a hiking, trekking, or even a running shoe, you tend to have a shank in the arch uh, because you want to still keep the flexible forefoot. So you want to have a flexible forefoot, a very rigid arch, and maybe you know another rigid heel or a softer heel so you can really differentiate the flexing pattern of the product thanks to the addition of shanks in our case the rock plate is something which is more used in running shoe than in tracking boots um, it's a layer of um, very compressed eva which is called in technical language ess so this layer of very complex eva becomes nearly as rigid as a tpu so nearly as a plastic and that's normally in the forefoot because you want to protect the foot so basically, it has a you know higher perforation protection, uh, but still not too stiff like a TPU shank. It's an in-between solution. Okay, interesting. So that that ESS, that rock plate, that's up front. So there's still some flexibility yet protection, and then the shank is even stiffer, which gives you more of the the structural support. Perfect, perfect. That's okay. that's right. Interesting. So when we when there's so much talk, um, at least in our niche, about how stiff a boot is or how rigid a boot is. When people talk about that, what they're talking about is essentially everything we just covered for the most part in the midsole. So what, what materials used in the midsole, what thickness of shank, what length of shank, all these things play a role in the stiffness of a boot essentially. Mm -hmm. Correct. And and also depend on the construction because uh, the, you know, the footwear world is pretty, pretty big. So it depends a lot on the construction. Um, I And also, for instance, I, I'll make it very simple. If you're buying a, a full crampon compatible mountaineering boot, hmm, those do not have a shank. They do have something which is called insole, which is in between. It's also depending on the construction. If it is a lasted construction, that's what these boots are normally built of. They have an insole, which is basically in between the upper and the midsole. And that insole, which is Basically a shank, but normally it's full length, so it goes from to from tip from the tip to the to the, to the heel of the of the boot, and that can be also very rigid. That's how you make a full on you know rigid mountaineering boot, and it can also be made out of carbon fiber or anything like that. So, in those cases, those boots which are very rigid, they do not have a shank, but they have a full a full length insole made out of potentially very rigid material. Uh, this is very common in mountaineering boots or in some of the most heavy-duty work or backpacking boots, the more old style. They still have a full, full length, uh, a full length insole uh, to make the boot really, really solid and really stiff. In terms of choosing a very rigid or very stiff boot, do you think that is primarily dictated simply by the use case and the terrain or do are there certain anatomical aspects of a person's foot that truly makes a more rigid boot better for them or is it just personal preference uh, uh, that's a very <laughs> that's a trick question i know yeah like it's yeah it's a question that gets talked about that's why i'm curious what, what your uh, thoughts i can would be. i can i can give you my interpretation so yeah uh, the, the truth is that you know if we go back 20 years ago and we were talking about boots um i mean even if you look at the you know classic old style books how the categorization of products was done it was really mainly done in base of the stiffness of the boot so if if you talk about outdoor you know boots in the past they would have mountaineering boots full rigid backpacking boots quite full rigid trekking boots a little softer hiking 
quite softer. And then multi-sport, all-trade runner, very soft. That was kind of the way that, and still a lot of retailers, a lot of people, which are a little bit maybe not that young, still reason that way. So often the rigidity of the boot is associated with the quality of it and the category, the positioning of the products. Mm-hmm. Um, that was how it was used to be done for many, many years. Uh, nowadays, you know, we have been seeing in the last 15 years a lot of evolution of how an outdoor boot is made. And even in the most classic category as trekking, backpacking, hiking, uh, I mean, thanks to a lot of progressive brands, I would say over the last few years, there's been a lot of evolution. So the boots started to become softer, lighter, more comfortable to wear, still delivering the right level of performance, but in a different way, uh, which is actually what the 4G is, is a very modern interpretation of a, of a trekking boot. So it's really hard to say, is it good to have a boot stiffer or softer? Because I would really say it depends a lot on the personal preferences and in general again when you need to walk unless you are doing something extremely 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 technical uh, having a sort of flexibility is obviously the recommended thing for the comfort but also for the agility and for the you know the pain not pain but fatigue in the in the hike or in the track and in general really like we see also consumer now that are really hardly buying you know, backpacking boots with full rigid midsoles, insoles, uh, that's becoming a very thin, thin market. Even even in, in business size, most of the people now prefer to buy, even for backpacking or hiking, a little bit softer boots, which are easier and nicer to walk in. Also because the activity in general has been evolving, you know, think, think about it 20, 25 years ago, you were talking about a backpacking trip. A backpacking trip 25 years ago was you know, probably one to two weeks in the middle of nowhere where you had to carry tents, food, water, you know, everything. So you used to carry really heavy packs. Uh, and that also, you know, having a very rigid boot was helping uh, the stability over with this heavy backpack. Uh, that's now becoming a very, very rare situation, especially in the Alps, especially in Europe, because we have, you know, huts everywhere, uh, hotels, restaurants. So even if you're going for a two weeks of trekking, you can still find a place to sleep and food. Most of the cases, uh, same also in North America now, I mean, people are finding ways to, to find support and they tend to use lighter and more flexible boots because they move faster and with much less effort. That's the way kind of the industry works. So I personally would never use <laughs> full rigid backpacking boot anywhere uh, because, I mean, the, the fatigue that you, that you have is much higher. Uh, the pace that you can hold is much lower and uh, and that's again my personal preferences but I think it's more a market trend than my personal preferences in fact, in fact that you know market is getting thinner and thinner while the fast uh, light flexible hiking and trekking boat is becoming a bigger and bigger market too so in general I would say that my opinion also is quite reflected by the by the business uh, numbers itself yeah that's no, helpful thank you yeah, I have noticed because I've worn boots across the spectrum um, that those stiffer boots, they just wear me out. Like, I, as you you mentioned, the fatigue. But, I mean, that's just so true of, especially after hours um, mm-hmm. on your feet oh, yeah. or day after day. The support's great, but I just, yeah, they just wear my feet out. 
Oh, yeah. But I mean, especially for people which go through hiking nowadays, I mean, I've been, you know, last year speaking a lot with, I visit a lot of retailers, you know, on the Appalachian Trail and, you know, some of the, you know, very long distance hikes, which are still very pop, which are really popular in the US. And a few of them, which are really on the trail area. So it's where basically the hikers, the trackers, you know, stop to buy new products when they were out to the previous one. Uh, they're seeing a massive trend on, on selling and buying trail running shoes, <laughs> yeah. not, not even backpacking or trekking because, yes, they probably need two or three pairs to complete the trail over the weeks they need to do it, but they definitely prefer to go through three pairs of, of, of those shoes and both much more agile, being super comfortable, having no blister problems than, uh, than you know buying a super heavy-duty backpacking boot, which, yeah, it's going to last them for the whole hike, but they're going to have, you know, they take, much longer time and much more suffering. So Forge is a product which, again, still delivers the support of the ankle, which is which is really crucial because there are a lot of consumers which prefer to have an ankle support and they prefer to have a fully waterproof boot rather than a sneaker or than a trail runner. Uh, but still, we wanted to give it that nice, flexible rocker sole and nice, flexible forefoot and cushion midsole, which delivers you a lot of comfort, even if you go for a very long distance and sikes such as an Appalachian Trail or similar uh, through hiking adventures. Gotcha. But the trend in the market is very clear. I mean, if you speak with, with you know, specialized, even, you know, some of the best specialized uh, retailer in the US, uh, they, they, I mean, their sales now is, you know, 90% in light hiker and trail runner and 10 to 20% is in heavy duty backpacking boot. Right. Hmm. Makes sense. So as we uh, continue on the anatomy of the boot and kind of go up from here up from the midsole we get into the actual insole or what's called the footbed uh, whatever you prefer there and obviously as you mentioned this is one of the areas that's uh, on the forge specifically is multiple oh, yes. and is part of that fitting process so you covered that um, just talk about insoles a little bit you know there's a spectrum here as well in terms of volume and thickness um, in terms of softnesses softness of materials versus supportive materials where does the specific materials for the forge kind of come in with all that in terms of providing support yet also providing some cushion and comfort yeah that is certainly very important because the footbed of the forge is, is a very unique one uh, in general i mean uh, when i was doing the sales pitch <laughs> to the dealers i was always saying like you know uh, forge is the first boot ever made which comes with a very high quality very valuable footbed because you know that most of the boots you're buying out of a store they they have a you know couple of dollars value footbed uh which does not deliver any support just a cushion walk but no support and no durability so unfortunately we really put in a super high quality footbed which delivers by itself great level of art support and durability uh, I mean, I don't want to make other brands name, but very similar to aftermarket footbeds that you probably buy for 40 to $50 in a store. Uh, next to that, the one in Forge is fully heat moldable. Again, so it's not going to be a matter of support. It's going to be a really individual support because it's going to shape around your arch and around your forefoot and heel, delivering you better fit, better hold, and a very natural arch support because it's going to be you know, the one you have on your foot. I mean, it's more atomic and great level of support. Also durability because it features inside, you know, it's, it's again, there's a lot of components in the footbed, but let's say there is an EVA base, which is thermomoldable for the forefoot and the heel for the comfort and the cushioning. And there is a very rigid TPU insert on the arch, uh, which is the one which is really shaping uh, in the thermomolding process to give it to this natural uh, support. 
is there any aspect in whether it's the forge or just in boots in general beyond the insole where the arch is um affected so you know there there's clearly many as you mentioned aftermarket insoles and some have a higher lower arch things like that but in the boot itself um below where the footbed sits are there boots that have an arch built in or most typically pretty flat through there um most except the forge are pretty flat in there uh that's also again due to the fact it depends a lot on the category you know if you're looking at running shoes or trail running shoes or climbing shoes there's a lot of it's very different there there's a lot of shaping on the art on the on the on the arch but again because they are very different products in, in the tracking hiking world most of the cases the boots are really flat and that's due to the goal to make it comfortable for everybody because you have to make it a last and a fit, which is quite generic. So if you make it too much hard support, somebody with a flat foot will feel it painful. Uh, so it's better to give somebody with the high arch <laughs> no support because at least they don't feel the pain and then they buy an aftermarket footbed to give them a better support. Uh, with, with Forge, again, normally I like to sell my presentation from the, from the upper and then, then from the bottom because it's more a little bit easier. But, but in general, Forge is fully thermomoldable in the arch area, in the heel area. So even out of the box, uh, it's pre-shaped and pre-molded because in the factory, we, we basically pre-molded it into a very anatomic last, which features a very, very anatomic arch, uh, which is obviously shaped on the foot, but, but also on the boot itself. Um, if you look at your boots, you notice that there is some sort of a graphic, which is some sort of you know colorful dimples everywhere. And there is a set of them also in the arch because in the arch area, there is also thermomoldable insert in the boot. So as I said before, you thermomold the, the footbed, uh, which for instance, you have a very high arch. So the footbed is going to basically really follow your arch becoming higher. And then when you thermomold the boots, also the boot is going to follow uh, this new shape of the foot by any of your foot by delivering you even more arch support. So it's the whole package which basically molds in this particular case. And so the whole boot is becoming really anatomic, not only the foot, but, but also what sits underneath, which is the upper. We call it thermomoldable. But that's very unique of the forge. I mean, there's no other boot which is doing that. Most of the boots have a very flat bottom and a very, you know, standard not standard because every company has different last but uh, generic we can use the term generic uh, um, flat base and, and flat uh, upper would you so would you say that most boot manufacturers are expecting the the, the customer to put an aftermarket footbed in there i wouldn't say they expect it but in, it depends on the country i can say in the u.s <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a lot of customers which are buying aftermarket footbeds because there is some, um, you know, higher. I mean, how to say the consumers are more educated than even the the, the retailers uh, are more educated about the value of a of a high quality footbed. Uh, that's again also historical reasons and you know good marketing probably from some some of the football companies uh, <laughs> but but in general there's a lot of more education than there is in italy for example in italy nobody is is replacing the footbed in the us in the tracking backpacking category hiking it's it's a big number uh, uh, so there's a lot of more education on the subject uh, so i mean i mean i cannot give you a number but i know retailers which are i don't say one to one but at least 60 to 70 percent of the boots they sell they do also you know convince not convinced but they do propose to to the to the consumers also after market food but which with the forge is not the case so again the value for the consumer is very high on a, on a product like this because of also yeah. the food but hmm. yeah that's 
Yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah. Sorry for going ground up on you. And you already mentioned you prefer to go up down, but, um, talk about the fitting in the heel. Uh, clearly the heel is an area where a lot of people run into trouble with blisters, hot spots, et cetera. The molding, uh, process and those materials in the forge also affect uh, that heel pocket or that heel cup as well, right? Um, absolutely, yes. Again, uh, if you look at the picture of the boot or the boot, ev- everywhere you see these dots, those kind of colorful dimples on the upper, uh, there is inside so a special thermomoldable insert. So that obviously includes the whole heel cup area, uh, the arch, and also the ankle of the boot. So all the all the all the calf of the boot is fully thermomoldable. So yes, the, the goal was certainly to deliver the you know a, let's let's say you know, between lines, uh, a, a blister-free experience, but, but in particular to deliver the, you know, perfect anatomical, unique, individualized fit to the consumers. Okay. To each, to each consumer, because it's, again, thermomoldable, so it becomes individual. One thing very unique on the Forge that I noticed immediately was uh, the lack of a traditional tongue, and instead there's this overlapping... Um, front portion there which i believe was adapted kind of from that ski boot methodology so talk about that and why that design feature is there versus a traditional tongue and what that does for fit and comfort yes again all connected with the original idea customizable (laughs) boot so uh, when we designed this concept we obviously started from the last and from the upper design uh, and the overlap design is a key element of this Um, in particular, the last of the forge, the pre-molded last, so the standard factory one, is an extremely anatomic last, and it's the first last ever made in, in trekking boots, which features the ankle. Uh, we, again, that's you should see the last, but it's, it's a full last which anatomic, uh, which mimic the the ankle shape of a, of a of a person, because the boot is pre-lasted not only on the heel and on the forefoot, but also on the ankle. Uh, that was clearly the idea to make a boot which was looking very anatomic by itself so you take it in your hands and it tells you "Mm, that looks different uh because of the pre-lasting but also because of the overlap design because that's a complementary part of this very anatomic look and also this very anatomic fit because mm, again uh, if you look at your ankles you notice something very very obvious because we, we are all more or less the same in this area that the malleolar pad which you have on the inside so the medial malleolar pad is normally bigger and more forward and more higher than the one you have on the outside so the lateral malleolar pad this is in general how our ankles are made unless some injuries or big accidents which change the shape uh, so that's why we decided not to go with a symmetric tongue because we wanted to have, uh, let's say, the, the overlapping of the materials uh, due to the gasset where you do not have an ankle to push in. So basically on the internal manure pad, this overlap design do not have an overlap of materials and no pressure points in there, uh, which basically deliver this higher level of comfort because you do not have an overlap, so no pressure points. The other reason clearly is connected with the customization. So in that area, with this design, we have a bigger and longer thermomoldable thermoplastic insert, uh, which basically allows to a better customization of the area, which we would have not been able to achieve with a symmetric classic tongue. You've mentioned um, the last 
many times, but just to back up, just so listeners are clear, tell us about, in terms of manufacturing and design mm-hmm. and fit, what is the last when a boot manufacturer is talking about their last? Yes. Uh, so that's a very long story. Also, try to make it simple. <laughs> so there is one very big difference when you design a jacket or a t-shirt, for example. Let's go from something very basic, a t-shirt. A t-shirt is not anatomic at all. It's a basically a you know, you design a, a shape uh, in sizes and you cut it out of a, um, a sheet of fabric and then you stitch it and then you wear it and that's basically kind of adapting to your body. That's how it, that can be an elastic one or that's how a manufacturing of a piece of apparel more or less works. Then you have more, you know, high-end jackets or Gore-Tex pieces from the premium brands, which are really anatomic because they have a lot of components, a lot of patterns, which mimic more the shape of the ankle, sorry, of the elbows or the shoulders, et cetera, et cetera. But still at the end, when they stitch them together, they follow the lines and stitch it. That's how you make a pedal. When you make shoes, that's very different because you have to shape it and make sure that this boot remains in the shape. So there is a process which is called the lasting, which happens through a pattern an upper, which is normally soft, and then the last. So for instance, I am a shoe designer, so I'm a pattern maker. So when I design a boot, you design it starting from basically uh, last, which is a 3D shape of a foot, more or less. And then from this last, you have to basically render it to a flat area. Again, that's quite of a complex thing, but <laughs> let's say you take the last, you if you do it the old way, you tape it with, with tape and then you remove the tape and put it on a flat board. And that's basically what we call the mother base. The mother base, then you design the shoes, all the components, all the elements, etc., etc., And you always teach them in flat because you cannot do it different ways. So you teach them in flat, more or less, and then you last those components. So basically you attach them to the bottom unit, so the midsole, the insole, etc., etc. And to do that, you have to put the last inside and mold this boot with a process very similar that we do on the forge in the aftermarket, but you do in a factory. So you heat some parts of the boots and then you last it, you pull them and stick them uh, through the lasting board, the strobel, whatever type of construction is uh, around this last. So this last is fundamental, super important because it's what gives the shape to the boot. Uh, so in the forge, as we said, we use a very anatomic last, which is also having the ankles, the arch, etc., etc because we wanted to have this super anatomic look and fit out of the box, which is very different than most of the tracking boots last, which are quite flat on the base to be very versatile and very comfortable to everybody. Man, there's so much that goes into this, like way more than I even imagine. It's really fascinating. Uh, it's very tough to explain though, because you know, you, you would be able to see, but again, when you think about a shoe, you bite, it's already having a shape and that shape is done through the last, which is used in the manufacturing process to design the boot, but also to assemble it, teach it, and then especially lasting it, which is that's how it's called your process where you basically mold it. All boots, all footwear, except you know sandals or very soft shoes, which are not lasted. Uh, all sports, when you see the heel, the heel is always lasted, somehow lasted, or there's another construction called Strobel, which is a little bit different, but still, again, it, it, it has the shape, which is designed into it through the last. So it's a very important part of the boot. Yeah. Man, we're we're coming up on time, but a few more things I'd love to hit if you have a few moments. Um, if we could just talk about those upper materials. So in the Forge, there is both um, a leather, a nubuck version, as well as a synthetic. 
um, just kind of hit the pros and cons and then maybe even specifically like why Nubuck was chosen for that leather version versus some other options um, and when, you know, an individual might choose one over the other. Sure. So again, Forge and Forge S, so these are the two versions we offer are the Forge, uh, again, S stands for synthetic. So that's <laughs> very simple. Uh, the, the key difference really here is, is back to, to the taste of the consumer. Um, and, and a little bit of the performance as well, but mostly it's a matter of taste. Uh, because again, when we designed the Forge, we wanted to be able to hit uh, the vast majority of consumers. And we have people which prefer lead, lead, leather uh, because they're used to buy leather boots for their durability and comfort. There's people which do not like to buy leather boots because maybe they are vegans or maybe they do not like leather boots and they like more, you know, sporty looking shoe. So that was kind of the idea to give everybody the right version. Uh, and again, in the outdoor industry, maybe it sounds not really relevant, but there's more and more people which are really keen on not using animal products. So that's also one of the reasons why we did the 4 uh as well, because it's full, it's full vegan. In terms of performance, what does it change? It changed not really that much except uh, the feeling uh, and the weight. So the Forge S is slightly lighter than the Forge Leather. I think it's 15 or 20 grams different, so not big, but a little bit. Uh, the other one is that the leather is softer and I would say it's it, it's a little bit softer and more comfy while the synthetic is a bit more sturdy and a bit more supportive. So it, it also depends a little bit on what, what you are willing to do with the boot. Um, I personally, I mean, for this particular category, prefer and would recommend the leather version, uh, the forge over the synthetic. But again, it's my personal preference, nothing wrong with the, with the boot. On the Forge, uh, we choose to go with a full new book upper, one piece. Uh, it's a 2.3 millimeter, if I well remember, new book upper, uh, which from our point of view has the perfect mix of durability, breathability, and also look uh, that we wanted to give to the, to the boot. Real quick on the lacing as well. You know, I noticed two things on the Forge right away. One is the laces themselves were pretty thin. Um, and then the second was... Uh, especially in that lower area, there's no metal hardware. So talk to us. Is there anything specifically with those thin laces? Oh. And then secondarily, talk to us about the the soft loops versus metal hardware. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. That's another one of our key technology, which is called the self-locking lace design <laughs> in the marketing language, if you like. So, uh, so again, it's always back to the original point. So last... Uh, the key technology of the boot are the last, the customization, the overlap, and then it's the lacing design. So it's the fourth key technology of the product. Um, again, also here, it goes back to real original design concept, which was this anatomic, uh, lightweight, super comfortable construction that we wanted to achieve. Uh, this lace design is one of the key elements of it. Why? Uh, first of all, it's because we wanted to remove all metal hardware uh, on, on the lower part of the boot, which requires a padding underneath. So when you put a metal hook, you need to put some padding underneath to protect the foot, which adds weight and bulk. With these Kevlar loops that we basically position in between the upper, we get rid of all of these hardware and metal components, making it a more comfortable, soft, zero pressure point. Also no exposure because this, uh, uh, loops are not exposed laterally on the boot, so they're very. It's impossible to catch them on a rock or a, or something and break them. So durability and comfort are the two key reasons. Uh, why the lace is so thin and a little bit uh, rough, also on the hands, if you like, 
it's because uh, it, again, I was tough to explain <laughs> on the phone, but uh, it has basically some sort of a self-locking feature. So if you pull the lace with your foot inside, you notice that it basically lock uh, through um, on the on these Kevlar loops which are on the upper. That allows to have a very precise micro adjustability of the lacing. And again, as they do not slide back really, uh, also during the hike, you do not have to adjust lacing because they really get there. So they cannot move, they cannot slide. So it's, it's quite of an interesting uh, feature as well. Excellent. We discussed the fitting process and that obviously, as we discussed, happens at a local retailer. Um, obviously, depending on where someone may or may not be in the United States, they might not have that uh, retailer uh close to them do you, is that retailer network and this custom fitting process expanding in the u.s they're expanding pretty fast actually okay <laughs> again uh, still on a obviously on a small scale compared to the size of the country and the amount of fantastic outdoor retailers which are in the country so it's not i mean that that fast as you can imagine we are a new brand so it takes a little while to convince uh, <laughs> people to trust you so but we had if i remember in the states the first year so we ended up 2018 with about 60, 65 doors. We are more than 120 for 2019, including some REI location. So that there's, there's more and more. I think we are planning to end the next year with more than 200. So again, it's a slow, but it's not that slow actually of an expansion. So we are doing our best to be available at, uh, at the most at the most stores over the next two three years uh, still today i mean it's possible to check on our website you'll find a you know beautiful dealer locator which shows where the where the dealers are we are quite well covered over the country so i mean there is one spot uh, more or less all over the country uh, again not that deep of a cover so uh, yeah i mean it's not yet perfect we're working hard to make sure that we get uh, you know, to a bigger number, but unfortunately, it's uh, beyond <laughs> our possibilities because you know, some of the dealers, you know, they need to make sure that the thing works, and they need to have positive feedbacks. They need to see that, you know, the market is looking for this product, so it takes a little time to to get them on board. Yeah, that's 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 the, that's unfortunately life, <laughs> you know, in 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 all business. Yeah. Would you recommend still buying the boots even if you don't have a fitter nearby? Can you can you maybe achieve similar results just by wearing them a lot for a month? Will they kind of naturally break into your foot? I mean, in general, I would say Forge, like all our custom adaptive shape compatible boots, there's one new this year called Plasma. They are perfectly usable and fantastic boots. I mean, uh, the yeah. customization process is an additional value, which I would strongly recommend because it's a fantastic experience and delivers a great real result. Oh, on the other side, it's not mandatory. So you can use the boots perfectly and they're fantastic and perfect out of the box. Um, I mean, I personally used a lot of them without customization and I really like them. So we have a lot of people which test them, you know, one pair customized, half pair without to make all the comparison. That for sure, there is a big advantage in the customization. <laughs> Excuse me. But still, the boot, you know, is perfectly usable. So no worries about that. On the other side, in the U.S., uh, for this, you know, year and probably also for next year, we do not allow uh, online sales. Uh, also to support the, the specialized retailers which are investing in the customization machines, which are obviously okay. not that, that cheap. So at the moment in the States, even some of our partners has a big online store, but they do not sell them directly to consumers online. They always invite the consumers to go to stores for the pickup and for the customization. So. I see. We are some sort of promoting this idea 
also again to support our specialized retailers so that all our investments are now made to make sure that they you know can sell the boots uh, uh, rather than selling them directly online that's not the plan for the moment okay makes sense yeah i would imagine that the what's called the more normal your foot is or the closer your foot happens to be to the last that's used for the, the build of the boot the potential less impact the fitting process would have but if you have a particularly different you know heel shape or arch or something like that the fitting process would make that much more of a difference for that individual that's 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 correct obviously but in general again we I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant, but but the fit of the box of forge out of similar boots in similar categories is really already on the very high standard. Let's say, I mean, it's one of the best. You know, it's definitely on the top three, four of the, of the best fitting boots in this category uh, for the vast majority of consumers. Because I mean, the way the the last is designed, the upper design, so it's, it's really a comfortable boot. But certainly for everybody, it makes a sensible difference, even for those one which has. A quite a normal foot, uh, still it makes a, a, a sensible difference, especially on the baking times. I mean, uh, leather boots, two millimeter leather, you know, stiff insoles, uh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, they need some time for breaking. Uh, with that operation, it's basically down to zero. So it's it, there is a value. I mean, I, I would like to say you know there is no need to customize, and there is no need, but it's a big value. <laughs> so for everybody, it's 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 it's, it's you know it's worth let's say the time. Uh, the 15 20 minutes time to do it then after obviously again if you do not have one shop close unfortunately that's that's the scenario right now we do not have such a broad distribution so it's a little bit harder uh, to find this one than you know another very popular hiking boot which you can find at any store in the country federico i know that uh man i've learned a lot not only obviously about the forge but just in general about everything that goes into a boot and i feel like you know, even moving forward on on shopping for new boots, I uh, I know a lot more in, in terms of what to look for and what to consider. So thanks for the time. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that one. Once again, technicasports.com. If you want to hear more about the boots, check out the dealer locator and see if you can get fitted in your area. Also, the giveaway for this month, that Brooks Ultralight Down Sweater from First Light. Go check that out. Go to exomountgear.com forward slash podcast. There you can get a link to the Brooks specifically, but also see the link to get entered into the giveaway for this month for that Brooks piece. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.